Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for being here with us today. I'm Jason Kong alongside Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you today? Jason, I'm doing great. I hope you are. Uh, It's uh, uh, amazing that we've already passed one month in the year, (laughs) and here we are. Of course, uh, this weekend uh, I would call um, a a catch-up weekend because there's absolutely no football worth watching this weekend. It's next weekend. Uh, That's the Super Bowl game, and... uh, but but this this weekend there's not anything worth watching. I mean you have the pro Pro Bowl, but that's like I said, that's not even football. No. So <laughs> so this is a time when we can get all of those uh, honeydew lists done, uh, and and everyone is happy. So um, it, it's a good time for all. <laughs> Well, wonderful. Yeah, that You're exactly right. We'll talk about the big game maybe a little bit next week. But, um, we've... Well, there are some basketball games. So yes, for the yes. sports nuts among us, then uh, we're still, uh, we've still got a few things to watch. So You're exactly right. Mm-hmm. And we've still got a great program laid out for today. And, Bill, last week you spent some time uh, informing us about some uh, a, a change, a new law that was on your radar that has to do with uh, the new Corporate Transparency Act. Yes, and I, I wanted to reiterate it because it for, for those folks out there who own a small business of any kind, if, if it's a, a small corporation or a small family-owned limited liability company, either one, I mean, basically... Um, uh, you know, mo- a lot of these companies are simply mom and pop type companies, but almost everyone, thankfully, who does business and they're uh, trying to avoid liability uh, and they want to protect what's theirs. Uh, mo- I mean, I've only known one person uh, that's come through my office that has not used uh, an LLC or uh, a corporation status to help pr- protect them. Now, I, I, I must admit, I did have one client out of about 10,000 uh, who operated as a sole proprietor. Now, he had liability insurance, which is important for all of us, whether we operate in an LLC or corporate or not, but he didn't see the need for... Uh, for, for this extra wrapper of, of protection. But everyone else uses these wrappers. And, and the fact is, is that if you have one of these, then you've got to report to the government and, and there are potential fines and penalties and even jail time for not reporting. And it, it really comes down to, uh, now most of us don't like this, quite frankly, and there's some lawsuits uh, trying to challenge the new law. But the fact is, is that we have to assume that this law is going to be on the books. It has everything to do with combating money laundering, criminal activities, uh, and terrorism. I mean, it it really falls into the line with the Patriot Act, and quite frankly, the Patriot Act, uh, which came after 9-11, uh, 
uh, was designed to combat terrorism uh, around the world and the funding of, the, of terrorism around the world. And the fact is, uh, when the Patriot Act came online, we as Americans lost a lot of our privacy and freedom that we were accustomed to. So, uh, you know, frankly, the libertarians among us uh, don't like uh, this stuff at all, even though it has a very legitimate purpose. Uh, so what is it that we have to do? Uh, we basically uh, have to file an online report. Now, as a lawyer, if you're creating a new LLC or a new corporation, and I help you do it, then right then and there, I'm going to uh, be filing one of these reports. Uh, now, what are they looking for? I mean, what do they want to know? Uh, what does the government want to know about our, our companies? Well, they want to know who manages these companies, and they want to know who owns these companies. And, and they don't want shell companies. You know, they, they want to know who are the people behind these companies. Um, and so any beneficial owner has to be identified. And anyone who controls the company, you know, as manager or owner or otherwise— must be identified. Now, uh, even the law itself, even though they ask for all the owners, uh, the law itself asks for any owner who has at least a 25% or greater interest uh, in the company. Uh, and now, this report is actually called a BOI. You know, people, the government loves acronyms. Uh, and so what is that? It's a beneficial ownership information report. And uh, it, it's uh, reported to FinCEN, which is like a, it's a securities regulator uh, as it re relates to that. Uh, and so I, I just want to make sure that people realize that uh, these uh, reports must be filed. And if you create a company this year, uh, then um, I, th I think uh, we have 90 days in which, now next year that 90 days becomes 30 days. So they're, they're giving us this year to get ready for these reports. Uh, and so if you have a company then uh, the latest you can file is going to be uh, the beginning of next year. But frankly, from my perspective, you need to go ahead and file it now. Uh, if you create one now, uh, I would go ahead and while you're filing your uh, corporate papers uh, or your LLC papers and you, uh, during that period of time, you need to get this done too. And you have to give them um, identification papers as well. I mean, it's not so that, that they're just going to take your word for who you are. you got to identify yourself and have all of the identifying uh, driver's licenses or passports or some way that, that your identity can be verified. So anyway, it's just um, one more thing 
that uh, has got to be done. And, and so for, uh, for attorneys, it, it means that to make sure our clients don't go to jail and pay fines, we, we're going to need to make sure that these reports are filed. And, of course, that means it's going to be a little more expensive to uh, create these uh, companies and file these reports. So it's just, it's just the way it is. There's always some unintended consequences with some of these decisions, but hey, thank you for keeping us on high alert, especially those of us who may own or participate uh, in the operation of a business. So everyone keep that in mind. Make sure you look up that new Corporate Corporate Transparency Act and make sure that you're filing everything away and on top of it. Hey, don't forget that WG Alexander and Associates is hosting their free webinars, their monthly webinars. They do this the second Wednesday of every month. The next set of webinars is happening on Wednesday, February 14th. Hey, a Valentine's Day treat. You can learn more about asset protection and trust planning, as well as long-term care assistance, financial assistance for those families who are dealing with a long-term care crisis learn about Medicaid, VA benefits, and all forms of financial assistance for free. There's no cost to attend the webinars. It's free to do so. All you have to do is register in advance. Two easy ways to do that. You can go online to wgalaw.com, click on the seminars button at the top of the page, or call the office 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000, or online at wgalaw.com. A quick break and back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Learn more about Bill and W.G. Alexander and Associates online at WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com is where you can go if you would like to speak with an elder law attorney. Maybe you would like to have some of your legal documents drawn up or have them reviewed. Maybe it's been decades since you've pulled those legal documents out and had them checked. If you've never had your documents reviewed by an elder law attorney. This is a great time to do it. Get a hold of the team at WG Alexander and Associates. Go online to WGALaw.com. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And Bill, speaking of those very important legal documents, there's one that, uh, you know, in doing this program with you for many years that uh, you always want people to be aware of, and that's the general durable power of attorney. Well, it's so important. And the fact is, is that most people who have their legal documents and they have a general durable power of attorney, the problem is, is they don't have the right documents as they head into their senior years. Seniors particularly, now it also helps other folks as well, but seniors for sure uh, need what we call enhanced general durable powers of attorney. And you might say, well, what makes it enhanced? Well, 
It gives your trusted agent, and of course you would never sign an enhanced power of attorney to someone you didn't have absolute trust in. It gives your trusted agent the ability to do almost anything. Now, no, they can't uh, change your will, but uh, frankly, it allows them to change a trust that you might have, amend it, or to create a trust that might be helpful for you. But an enhanced power of attorney allows your trusted agent to do asset protection planning if and when it might be necessary. And you might think, well, when is that? Well, let's put it another way. A lot of folks worry about being able to be eligible for Medicaid if they have a long-term care crisis. Other people have acquired lots and lots of property over time, and they'll never need Medicaid, but they are very aware of the need for asset protection. They don't want anybody taking it away from them or family members. And so that's why we do this show, asset protection. Well, the fact is that your general durable power of attorney is one of the key documents to allow you to do asset protection planning if you need someone else to do it for you. In other words, you've aged out, you're not capable of managing things anymore, maybe you need facility care, uh, and and you're looking for Medicaid. Well, guess what? Uh, One of the key things that we do to protect your home or farm is oftentimes to transfer it to your spouse. You know, there's a Medicaid rule that allows you to transfer any property to your spouse, and there's no penalty or sanction for doing that. Well, if it's if it's titled in the name of your spouse, then if, if you have to go into a nursing home on Medicaid, it's not owned by you. It's owned by your spouse, so there's no estate recovery. Easy peasy, you know? <laughs> so... The, but the, the but most powers of attorney, if you're not capable of signing a deed over to your spouse, most powers of attorney don't authorize you to to do that fairly simple act of asset protection. And so an enhanced power of attorney would allow your which I mean obviously for most of us, our trusted person is our spouse, or it's a, a child. But the fact is, is that if we're trying to protect ourselves and our spouse, which is very important to us, then being able to transfer our home or our farm to our spouse with waivers of our right to inherit and things like that in that property is extremely important for us to be able to do that. So it's the enhanced power of attorney that allows us to do it. If we have additional properties, you know, like rental properties or commercial properties, uh, in other words, proper real estate other than our home, oftentimes our ability to protect that or to make it non-countable for Medicaid purposes uh, is dependent upon having an enhanced general durable power of attorney. So most people have a short-form power of attorney. 
that is very limited in scope and doesn't work for asset protection planning. I can't tell you how often I have to tell a family, well, your loved one's incompetent, so we can't sign another document, and the one you have, it won't work, so we have to file a petition in court and get a judge's approval of being able to transfer this property over to the spouse. And so uh, the, the point is that takes time. It takes unnecessary money. Uh, and uh, typically the, the costs incurred uh, not only include what you pay the lawyer and the court fees and the guardian ad litem fees and all of that, but it includes the fact that it might take you several months to get that done while you're having to pay the uh, the nursing home eight to ten or twelve thousand dollars a month. So, as opposed to being able to be eligible for Medicaid fairly quickly and protect the house, well, you, I'm, I have to add this: your will is important too, because typically when we transfer property to a spouse, the next thing we do is to make sure that the spouse has a will with with a trust in it for us, in other words, a supplemental needs trust to protect the patient so that, because nobody knows who's going to die first. And if the healthy spouse dies first, we may, we want to make sure that the property goes into a will-based trust uh, that where you're the sole beneficiary to be protected uh, and that's an asset protection trust. It's uh, something we do quite frequently, but it, it's our obligation to protect both spouses, not just one spouse. And it, it sounds contrarian a little bit, but when we transfer the house to the healthy spouse, our intention is actually to do that to protect the patient spouse. It, you know, that's and that's exactly what it does. So it's. Now, uh, the, the fact is that uh, a power of attorney, the right power of attorney, is critical to good estate planning and good asset protection planning. Now, with that said, sometimes powers of attorney, whether they're uh, enhanced or not, you know, it could be a short-form power, could be an enhanced power, could be anything in between, um, are sometimes difficult to use. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about, okay, you've been appointed the agent under a power of attorney. How do you use it? Well, with a power of attorney, you're typically, you have to recognize that most powers of attorney are limited in terms of what you can or cannot do. Now, Almost all of them will allow you to uh, pay the bills and sell the truck or even sell the house. Uh, however, in terms of being able to transfer property otherwise, uh, normally you can't do that. And, and there's a, a lot of limitations. So the first thing you need to do is to figure out what you can do and what you cannot do. And it's really important to know what you can't do 
Um, because so many folks think that because they have the power of attorney and they're the agent, they can do anything without regard to what the paper says, what the document says. And and so uh, and, and the short form power of attorney, I hate that form because it doesn't tell you what the limitations are. It it gives you a, a very short sentence that says I can do this or I can do that. But the fact is, is it doesn't because it relates to a paragraph in the General Statutes of North Carolina, and that paragraph says you can do this, but you can only do this much of it. You, you, you're limited to this and this and this and this. So what I'm getting at is that if you have a short-form power of attorney, uh, you're really at risk at overstepping your authority under that document unless you go to the general statutes and you pull those down and you figure out exactly what you can do and you can't do. So that's huge. And, of course, the same thing is true of a trust. You have to read the trust to learn what your limitations are or or how flexible it is. But I want to go back to a power of attorney, and I know I have to take a break because you're looking at me funny. Uh, but when I come back, I want to talk about some of the issues that we have in trying to use our powers of attorney. I'm going to set up a mirror one day so I can see this funny look that I, I, I tend to give <laughs> you when it's it's time for a break. But we're going to continue this conversation. And if you're thinking back to whenever you've had documents drawn up, maybe it was years ago and you're a little bit fuzzy on whether or not you, you have this enhanced general durable power of attorney it's probably time to have your documents reviewed get a hold of someone on the team at wg alexander and associates sit down with an elder law attorney have those documents reviewed you don't want to be in a situation where those documents can't do exactly what you want schedule some time go to wgalaw.com or call 919-256-7000 and don't forget you can register for their free webinars at WGALaw.com. Those are done the second Wednesday of every month. The next set of webinars is Wednesday, February 14th. Learn more about long-term care assistance, asset protection, and trust planning. It's free to do so. It's just a wonderful educational opportunity for you to learn more from WG Alexander & Associates. Go to WGALaw.com, click on that seminars button at the top of the page to register for free. A quick break and back. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. We'll be right back after this. listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. You can go to WGALaw.com to learn more about WG Alexander and Associates, whether it's scheduling some time to have your documents reviewed by an elder law attorney or registering for their free webinars happening on Wednesday, February 14th. Go to WGALaw.com to learn more. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander and Bill we're having a discussion on the importance for seniors of an enhanced general durable power of attorney. We went over why that document is so important, but right before the break, you were stressing the importance of knowing how to use 
these documents? Well, what I want folks to realize is that with, with the power of attorney, once you know what you can do and can't do as an agent for a person, uh, the first thing is that you must recognize that you, while you have a lot of flexibility, you have a fiduciary duty to the principal, the person who appointed you as agent. And in North Carolina, what, what that means, I mean, it, it means more than being honest. It means that if you know what your principal would do, then you should basically use your power of attorney, uh, use your authority to continue to do what your principal would have done if they had the ability to do it. So you want to carry on their uh, uh, thinking in terms of how to do things. Now, the secondary fiduciary duty is if you don't know what your principal would do, in other words, you're on your own, you have to figure it out, you do what's in their best interest. That's pretty simple. Um, and and otherwise, you you do um, you're, you you do it in an honest fashion. I mean, that's basically simple fiduciary rules as an agent. And then to do what you're allowed to do and not do what you're not authorized to do under that document. But there is one thing. There's a big difference between a power of attorney and a trust. And the difference is this. A power of attorney doesn't tell you what to do or how to do it or when to do it. Uh, If you accept that responsibility, then you have to determine what to do and when to do it and how to do it. Now, with a trust document, you have a similar, as if you're appointed as trustee, you have a similar fiduciary duty. However, the difference is that in a trust document, the trust tells you what to do and what you're supposed to do and when to do it and how to do it. And you have a fiduciary duty not only to stay within the lines, but to do what the document tells you to do. Now, oftentimes the document's going to give you discretion as to do certain things or not do certain things. But in terms of what it actually proactively uh, tells you to do, then you have a fiduciary duty duty, which you should not breach, to do what the document tells you to do. So that's pretty darn important, if you ask me. But let's go back to the power of attorney, because we can run into roadblocks. And so where are some of those roadblocks? Well, anything to do with the federal government uh, is oftentimes a roadblock. So, uh, okay, so you've got the general power of attorney. You're also the health care agent under a health care power of attorney. Um, but where can you run into a problem? Well, the first one would be, you know, Social Security. Uh, I mean, can you deal with Social Security as an agent under a power of attorney? No. It's the federal government. They're not going to accept your North Carolina power of attorney or any other state for that matter. They don't accept powers of attorney. So instead of that, you have to apply to them 
to be appointed a personal representative in order to, that's their way of appointing you as the agent for the, the principal. But just because you have a valid power of attorney doesn't mean that they're going to appoint you as personal representative. They might, they may take it into consideration, but they don't necessarily just accept uh, a document that's from North Carolina. Uh, an, another place, now, that's not necessarily true of the Internal Revenue Service. If your document authorizes you to, to assign tax returns, uh, then the IRS is okay with that. They just want your money. <laughs> so that works. Uh, how about the veterans? Uh, you know, the VA, uh, they do not accept your uh, general durable or your health care power of attorney. Why? They have their own health care power of attorney. So if you're a veteran, uh, yes, you should do a North Carolina power of attorney. That's really important. But but you should also prepare if you're using the VA healthcare system, you should you should also prepare a VA healthcare power of attorney because they'll accept their own form, but they will not accept your North Carolina form. That's just you know that's anytime you run into most federal agencies. Uh, you're, with the exception of the Internal Revenue Service, you're going to run into problems as it relates to that. Now, the other issue that folks run into more frequently now is with uh, institutions such as banks uh, and uh, financial brokerage houses. Why? Because instead of trying to have legal reviews over all of the different powers of attorney that can be handed to them, what they prefer and almost force down your throat is for you to uh, uh, use their own form. Uh, so uh, now, that, that can be dangerous at times because you want to make sure that their form doesn't... Uh, Void uh, the form that you use, generally speaking. But uh, the easiest way to get past that is to use their form if you cannot do it. Uh, I, I mean, what I'm getting at is there are times where your uh, principal is, is incompetent and can't sign a new form. So if, if that's the case, then you basically have to insist that they allow you to use your form. And typically it's going to have to be sent to their legal department and for the legal department to come back and say, yes, this is a valid document and, and we have to use it. But you can see where there might be a delay when they don't want to use your form. They want you to use their form. And you can also run into problems, less so, but sometimes at the bank, where they may not want to utilize the form immediately. Um, they may want it reviewed or they may want it recorded. Cause, uh, and, and I can appreciate why they would want it recorded, because then it's public record. Um, and so, uh, but banks have different policies on this sort of thing. But again, you can't just go into the bank and expect them to bow down and do exactly what you want uh, because, frankly, you're acting on behalf of someone else. And, 
And the other thing that I would say that's really important as it relates to using these powers of attorney, sometimes you are doing it for legal reasons, uh, Medicaid planning or asset protection planning, and you're closing accounts or you're transferring property from one spouse to another spouse or to a child or the like. And it helps if you go into the bank with a letter from an an attorney, especially an elder law attorney, that basically tells them that this transaction is part of uh, attorney advice uh, for specific planning purposes. Because quite frankly, uh, otherwise, how would they know that you're not doing it for nefarious purposes, that you're just stealing or whatever? Uh, And they have a duty to try to protect their clients uh, and patrons, uh, and I'm glad they do. But the fact is, is that if you're doing any kind of move, you know, heavy moving of of money and uh, around, uh, having a letter from an attorney explaining why you're doing it uh, is extremely helpful. That's great advice and something that we should all investigate. Make sure that everything is correct with your documents and make sure that you've spoken with someone who's explained to you exactly how to use those documents. Sit down with an elder law attorney at W.G. Alexander & Associates. Go to WGALaw.com or call 919-256-7000. And don't forget, if you want to learn more about long-term care assistance or asset protection and trust planning, you can attend the free webinars put on by WG Alexander and Associates. They're done every month, the second Wednesday of every month. And the next webinar set of webinars is happening on Wednesday, February 14th. Go to WGALaw.com, click on the seminars button at the top of the page to register. It's free to do so. There's no cost to attend the webinars. They're highly educational, a great way for you to learn about some subjects that contain a lot of misinformation and half-truths. WGALaw.com is where you want to go to learn more. A quick break and back. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Stick around. Listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. WGALaw.com is where you can go to register for the WG Alexander and Associates free webinars done every month, the second Wednesday of every month. The next set of webinars is happening Wednesday, February 14th. If you or a loved one or a family friend, someone that you know is dealing with a long term care crisis, this is Highly, highly valuable information that can help a lot of people and a lot of families. So if you've never attended, do yourself a favor. Go online to WGALaw.com, click on the Seminars button, and register to attend. It's free to do so. There's no cost. A great way for you to learn more about Medicaid, VA benefits, all forms of financial assistance for those who are dealing with a long-term care crisis, or If you're interested in learning about asset protection and trust planning, there's a webinar dedicated to that too. Go to WGALaw.com, click on the Seminars button to learn more. 
I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Bill, we just wrapped up a discussion talking about um, how to use a general durable power of attorney. What about when it comes to using a trust? Well, you know, the fact is, is that uh, people um, do have lots and lots of questions as it relates to a trust. And so the first thing is to understand what a trust is and how it works. And so, uh, and of course, as uh, lawyers doing estate planning, we almost always describe a trust like it's a bucket, that we're transferring property into the bucket so that our bucket is easy to manage for not only for ourselves, but for our spouse, our children, our grandchildren, and the like. And of course, it's a wonderful planning tool. But a trust is not a bucket. A trust is, if you get right down to it, a trust is a contract. It's an agreement. Now, it's an agreement with a lot of history and a lot of law behind it. Um, in fact, uh, the, the truth is, is that trusts uh, existed long before wills existed. <laughs> uh, but uh, so uh, who are the parties to a trust? Well, the, you have to have a person who creates a trust, and you can create a trust in your last will and testament, or you can create a trust outside your will. In other words, a standalone document that is a trust agreement. Okay, now, the, the person who creates a trust, different lawyers call that different things, and that... Uh, that can uh, confuse people. But whoever creates the trust, no matter what it's called, it's the same job. It's the same hat. Now, uh, I use the term grantor as the creator uh, of a trust. But other terms that mean the same thing uh, would be settlor, trustor, or trustmaker. I mean, those are the most... Four most common uh, ways to talk about the, the person who is creating the trust. Now, the person who creates a trust must appoint someone to manage the trust. In other words, the person responsible for deciding how the trust assets will be invested and how the, the trust will be distributed in other words, when it'll be distributed, how it'll be distributed, who it'll be distributed to. The trustee is the person who actually does that. And uh, in a revocable trust, in other words, which is the most common trust, um, the grantor and the trustee is the same person. In other words, you're appointing yourself. How, how good is that <laughs> to, uh, to do those things? Now, Here's the thing that a lot of folks um, should understand about a trust, and that is this. A trust is simply a piece of paper. It's a legal piece of paper that, with a lot of law behind it, but it's not capable. A piece of paper is not capable of owning property. So what I'm getting at is uh, when we talk about 
a trust like it's a bucket holding property. It's not. It's actually the trustee who owns the property in a fiduciary capacity. So when we transfer property to a trust, what we're actually doing it is transferring it from an individual or a couple to a trustee. And it's the trustee who then has title to the property. And But the, but the difference is that the trustee, whether, I mean, for instance, you may be transferring property to yourself from you as an individual to you as a trustee, but once you've transferred it to yourself as trustee, now you're holding the property in a fiduciary capacity. And the fact is the trustee can change, but the fiduciary is still holding the property for the for the terms of the trust. So that's why when you have a trust, the property doesn't go through the court system for probate and court administration because a trustee can die and you just replace the trustee with whoever's named as the successor trustee and that trust keeps on going, if you will. So it's not a matter of the court deciding on where the property goes because the trust tells you where the property goes and how it goes and when it goes and, and the whole bit. So so who's the there's a third party to a trust that I had talked about and the third party is called the beneficiary. Trustee is not the beneficiary. The trustee's the person in charge uh, of the property and the money. But the beneficiary, uh, as just like it sounds, is, is the person or persons who benefit by way of the trust agreement. So <clears throat> when most revocable trusts are set up, they're, tr- they're set up by a single person or a married couple. They appoint themselves as the trustee, and they name themselves as the primary beneficiaries of the trust. So, you know, that's the way a trust works. Now, there is one last thing that I should say that people need to do when they're responsible for a trust. They need to read the trust. And, you know, folks just aren't accustomed to reading documents. It's like, oh, it's boring. It's it's legal. I won't understand it, so I'm not going to read it. Fact is, if you're the trustee, first thing you should do is sit down and read the trust so that you know what it tells you to do uh, and how to do it. So now there's lots of other things, and next week I'll come back and talk about that. But the fact is, is that reading the trust Taking notes about what needs to be done is a very, very important thing that we need to accomplish. If you're interested in learning more about trusts, schedule some time to speak with an elder law attorney at WGALaw.com or register and attend their free webinar dedicated to asset protection and trust planning. WGALaw.com is where you can go. Click on the seminars button at the top of the page to learn more. A quick break and back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. We'll be back after this.
This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Don't forget to register for the WG Alexander & Associates free webinars happening on Wednesday, February 14th. Learn more about long-term care assistance, financial assistance for those who are dealing with a long-term care crisis, whether it's through Medicaid or VA benefits. All forms of government assistance are discussed, and most middle-class families are able to receive that assistance. Go to WGALaw.com, click on the Seminars button to register and attend for free. There's no cost to do so. On behalf of Bill Alexander, I'm Jason Kong. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you'll do it again next week. You've been listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Have a wonderful day.